Friends we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the October 19th edition of the sunny side of sports. The National Basketball Association tipped off a new season Tuesday night with the Boston Celtics and the defending champion Golden State Warriors both posting victories. Those teams are hoping to repeat their success from last season when they advanced to the NBA Finals. The Warriors beat the Celtics four games to two in the championship series. In San Francisco, California, the Warriors received their championship rings in a pregame ceremony and then beat the Los Angeles Lakers 123-109. to Star guard Stephen Curry scored a game-high 33 points for Golden State, and he also had seven assists and six rebounds. Steph says he knows the challenge is to defend the title. You got some really talented teams that are going to be gunning for you, so we got to be ready for it all, knowing that's going to be a, a very long journey. But that's why we play. That's why we're competitive. That's why we work as hard as we do. Golden State controlled the tempo, especially in the third quarter, using a 21-2 run to take a 27-point lead. Guard Jordan Poole recently signed a four-year, $140 million contract extension with the Warriors. Jordan says the third quarter is when Golden State usually finds its rhythm. Normally take the first half to kind of see how they're guarding us. Um, you know, and it's really hard to kind of chase us and, you know, play our read and react game all game long. So the third quarter is where we normally try to um, make a run, kind of stretch out the game, open it up a little bit. But just looking for our shots, um, trying to make the right plays, be efficient, be aggressive. In Boston, Massachusetts, the Boston Celtics were efficient and aggressive in beating the Philadelphia 76ers 126 to 117. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown each scored 35 points for the Celtics. We'll hear from both players now. Tatum says Boston's defense helped lead to some transition baskets on offense. You know, whoever gets the rebound, you know, can push the ball. Uh, so, you know, it definitely helps when we get stops and it just makes us more dynamic. Uh, you know, in the offensive end when we get stops and we just push the ball and everybody can handle and make plays. Meanwhile, Jalen Brown says the Celtics tried to utilize their overall team speed to beat Philadelphia. Take advantage of our speed out there. Um, we rebound. You know, that answer's kind of, you know, the game for us. And we get out and run and take care of the ball. Um, we'll be all right. We had a little bit of a slow start. Um, but, you know, long game. He picked it up and found a way to win. Jalen Brown and the Celtics won after honoring franchise legend Bill Russell before the game. It was the first of two planned ceremonies this season to commemorate Russell since he died July 31st at age 88. Bill Russell won 11 championships during a 13-year span and is regarded as Boston's greatest player. 
Boston's win Tuesday night also gave interim coach Joe Mazzula a victory in his debut. Mazzula will lead the Celtics this season after the Nigerian-American Ime Udoka was suspended for the season for committing multiple violations of team policies. Meanwhile, Cameroonian star Joel Embiid scored 26 points and grabbed 15 rebounds for Philadelphia. The NBA says Embiid is one of 120 international players from 40 countries on opening night rosters. The league says there are a record number of players from Canada, 22, and Australia, 10. And there's also a record tying five players from Nigeria. The Toronto Raptors lead the NBA with eight international players. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. What is the future of the British monarchy overseas now that King Charles III is taking the reins from his more popular mother? Charles is facing a growing degree of anti-royal sentiment, not only from several Caribbean countries, which experienced colonialism and slavery, but also from countries like Australia and New Zealand. The future of the British monarchy overseas. That's Encounter this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. September was a sad month for tennis fans. Roger Federer and Serena Williams, both 41 years old and two of the greatest players in history, announced their retirements. Federer's last official competition was the Laver Cup team tournament in London, where he commented on where he sits at the greatest tennis player of all time table. I'm definitely very proud and I'm very happy where I sit. One of my big moments, of course, was winning uh, my 15th slam at Wimbledon when Pete was uh, sitting there. Anything after that was a bonus. That was the record, you know, and then, of course, there was other records along the way. But then, of course, nowadays, um, players will want to chase records. You know, I'm very happy I, that I was able to win another five slams from 15 on. Uh, for me, it was, um, was incredible. And that I made it to over 100 titles and all that stuff has been fantastic. Just a fantastic tennis career for Roger Federer. I mentioned that greatest of all time table. Well, Roger Federer certainly has a buffet of highlight moments to chew upon. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't really gone into deep diving, thinking about what are those moments. You know, top of my head, obviously, you think about first Wimbledon, match with Sampras at Wimbledon, 2017 comeback, you know, win in Australia, 09 French Open. But I know there's a lot of different little nuggets. I'm sure that I have to really go back to the memory bank a little bit and think like, okay, where moments that meant a lot to me. I'm fortunate that I, I can almost pick and choose which moments were the best because there were so many. During his retirement announcement, the 20-time Grand Slam champion Federer thanked the fans who have supported him throughout his long career. Above all, I must offer a special thank you to my unbelievable fans. You will never know how much strength and belief you have given me. The inspiring feeling of walking into full stadiums and arenas has been one of the huge thrills in my life. Without you, those successes would have felt lonely rather than filled with joy and energy. 
The last 24 years on tour have been an incredible adventure. While it sometimes feels like it went by in 24 hours, it has also been so deep and magical that it seems as if I've already lived a full lifetime. I've had the immense fortune to play in front of you in over 40 different countries. I have laughed and cried, felt joy and pain, and most of all, I have felt incredibly alive. Through my travels, I've met many wonderful people who will remain friends for life, who consistently took time out of their busy schedules to come and watch me play and cheer me on around the globe. Thank you. Thank you, Roger Federer. I consider myself lucky to have watched you play professional tennis so gracefully, so beautifully the past 24 years. And so did these tennis fans at the All England Lawn Tennis Club, where Roger Federer won eight of his 20 Grand Slam titles at Wimbledon. To me, he's the Jordan of tennis um, style, class, amazing tennis player. So I've been watching him since I was like, you know, 15. So it's definitely my favorite. I'm a little bummed. Um, I wish that uh, he would have played. I don't know if he ever played Alcaraz, but I would have liked to have seen that. Um, or maybe he's just like, oh, I've seen that kid play. I don't know if I want to play him anymore. So he threw in the towel, but definitely bummed to see him uh, to see him retire. And it's kind of crazy because we were coming, we wanted to come and see Wimbledon. And then this morning I saw that he retired. So it's like, oh my gosh, what's ironic coincidence. But uh, yeah, definitely my favorite. I just said it the other day, like Federer will always be my favorite greatest tennis player of all time but um yeah sad day for tennis everyone knows roger federer and what he's achieved on a on a tennis court and and no more so than here at wimbledon where he's won eight titles and he'll be missed every year now from the grass it just won't be the same without him you know you look forward to wimbledon you look forward to watching Federer in center court i know i queued up a couple of years ago and and uh my intentions was to get a uh, to, to get to see Roger in centre court because once you experience that yeah, 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 that's pretty much the pinnacle in tennis so. yeah, it was my favourite his style, he was just so fluid and uh, made it look easy never sweat <laughs> even when it was tough, mat, tough points he just was uh, he was like one of a kind I mean he played like a classical game like the old Australians almost if you want to say I think each one has their own strengths, but I think overall as a, his game, you know, across all parts of his game, I think he's full. I think he's, I would say he's a, he's a player who's complete in all aspects of the game, and that's why I think, you know, he's a true champion. A true champion, indeed. You've been listening to fans at Wimbledon reflecting on the retiring tennis great, Roger Federer. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports. On Voice of America. On the next Straight Talk Africa, we'll explore how the global economic turmoil is affecting the continent. I'll have an in-depth interview with Abebe Amro Selassie, Director of the African Department at the International Monetary Fund, about the economic outlook for Sub-Saharan Africa. Join me, Heidi Adams, this Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. Sporting greetings. This is Toby Mison, 100 meter hurdles, African champion, African Games record holder, national champion, Commonwealth Games champion, Olympic finalist, Diamond League trophy winner. You're listening to the sunny side of sport on The Voice of America. 
This is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle, at VOA Sunny Sports. One sport making headlines here in the USA is Major League Baseball. The league's most successful team, the New York Yankees, winners of a record 27 World Series titles, advanced to the American League Championship Series Tuesday night, with a 5-1 to one victory over the Cleveland Guardians. The AP's Tom Merriam reports from New York. The Yankees advanced to the American League Championship Series by overpowering the Guardians 5-1 to one in the fifth and decisive game of their division series. Giancarlo Stanton got New York all the runs it would need with a three-run homer, four batters into the game off Aaron Savali. Aaron Judge then up the lead to 4 nothing with a solo shot in the second inning. This is just another step, you know, onto our ultimate goal and... You know, this is, it's going to take everybody in this room. You know, it's not going to take one guy, one pitcher, one position player to lead us. It's going to take everybody in this room, and, you know, we kind of showed that this series. Nestor Cortez pitching on just three days rest, limited Cleveland to one run and three hits in five innings. The Yankee bullpen shut the door the rest of the way. The Yanks now go to Houston for game one of the ALCS Wednesday night. Tom Merriam, New York. Thanks, Tom. The National League Championship Series between the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Diego Padres began Tuesday night in San Diego, California. Philadelphia won the opening game in the best of seven series, as we hear now from the AP's Chuck Freeman. The NLCS got started with game one. Two solo homers lifted Philadelphia to a 2 nothing win over San Diego. Kyle Schwarber homered. So did Bryce Harper. Yeah, it's huge. Anytime you can go up 1-0 um, and kind of take home field advantage away from from them it is always big for you you know that's what we kind of talk about just coming in you know just trying to win games no matter what at uh, at all costs so i thought that was a big win today check free thanks chuck game two in the philadelphia san diego series is later wednesday night in san diego california one of the fans on hand for game one in san diego was basketball hall of famer bill walton I saw some photos of Bill. He had some choice seats right behind home plate. Walton grew up in the San Diego area, and he's been wearing his Padres jersey on social media. Let's give a sunny side of sports birthday salute to Evander Holyfield, the former world heavyweight boxing champion. 
Holyfield is celebrating his 60th birthday on this Wednesday. He was born in Alabama. Holyfield twice defeated Mike Tyson. In 1991, I traveled to Atlantic City, New Jersey, where I watched Holyfield retain his heavyweight title by defeating Big George Foreman. After the fight, I went to the press room in Atlantic City And guess who was there? Basketball Hall of Famer Bill Walton. Yes, the very same Bill Walton who was at the Phillies-Padres baseball game on Tuesday evening. Happy 60th birthday, Evander Holyfield. The real deal. Evander Holyfield. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music. From bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Dumbolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 09.05 and 20.05 UTC, right after the international news. Thanks, David. That's David Vandy, the host of the VOA's African beat music show. On the European club football beat, Action resumes October 25th in the UEFA Champions League, widely regarded as the world's best club football competition. So far, we've had four rounds of group stage matches, and African players continue to make an impact. For some analysis, Iron Mike Mbonye contacted the chief football writer at aclsports.com. Fisayo Dairo. The boys are gradually being separated from the men in the UEFA Champions League group stage, and uh, as it is quite expected, after four rounds of matches have been decided, you expect that teams that will make it to the round of 16 will start knowing themselves. Now, the last match they have seen some of these top guns in European football securing fabulous results and putting themselves in good stead ahead of qualification for the next round. Some of the former champions that even started this, this season struggling are now in pole position to advance to the next round. With Mohamed Salah netting a hat-trick for Liverpool, they are now second in their group behind Napoli, who have been imperious this season. Chelsea, we were bottom before this last match day in their group, and on top of the table. That's the significance of the results that these teams got last match day. So it, it's, it's becoming more and more interesting. It's becoming more frenetic and um, more exciting for the fans and for the, for the players as well. So this is certainly what we live to watch in the UEFA Champions League. 
it seems African players are beginning to make their presence felt for their clubs in Europe. What's your fake on this? Of course, that is what we expected. The quality of our exports to Europe from Africa has never been in doubt. Right from just past decades ago, they've always carved a niche for themselves in the glamorous European leagues. And the UEFA Champions League, not an exception. This last match day, we saw the likes of Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Victor Osimhen, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, all finding the back of the net their respective clubs, no matter the number of minutes they got to play. This is what we know about African stars, because they are, they've traveled a long way from their homes to the leagues in Europe, and they know they have nothing else to do than to do the business. So I'm particularly proud of them and what they are doing. Even those that are not the scorers, the defenders, the goalkeepers, and even the midfielders, they've done a remarkable job for themselves and this will continue. And as time goes on, you get to see many more of these top stars grabbing the headlines for the right reasons, winning key matches for their clubs, and more importantly, landing the diadems for their respective teams. Fisayo, it appears the big boys have started to show class in the UEFA organized leagues. Are you surprised? I am not really surprised. Uh, what could surprise me is actually how long it's, it took some of them to get into rhythm. Like we always emphasize, this is not your regular football season. This is a season that has been embellished with so many international breaks. This was a season that started far earlier than previous seasons. This was a season in which the leagues and even the, the European competition are trying to fast-track everything to accommodate the upcoming World Cup break. So... Yes, it's understandable that some of these teams struggle to change to that tune and to, to adapt to that rhythm of an unusual season. But the moment they get in, in full flight, you know that it will be it will take some stopping to stop some of these teams. So not a surprise that even Liverpool now crawling into into the conversation because of all the top teams, they seem to have had the most difficult start of the season. But now they are getting into the groove, likes of um, Chelsea that also didn't start well and had to sack their coach. You know, everybody seems to be getting the results now and that is just what to expect. More will come and even after the World Cup break and that is when everyone will face the business of eventually getting something to celebrate at the end of the season. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Portugal's 25-year-old striker, Diogo Jota, will miss next month's World Cup football tournament because of the injury he suffered while playing for Liverpool Sunday against Manchester City. Jota was taken off on a stretcher in stoppage time of Liverpool's 1-0 win. Liverpool's manager, Jurgen Klopp, says Jota has a serious calf muscle injury. Yeah, really not good news. Yes, he will miss the World Cup. Um, 
pretty serious injury in the muscle, calf muscle. Um, and now we have to, the recovery starts, or the, the process starts, let me say like this. Um, and yeah, so that's it pretty much. Um, any, the, so that's the first diagnosis, which was pretty clear. And um, all the rest will now follow in the next, in the next few days. So very sad news for the boy, for us, of course, as well, for Portugal, for everybody. So. Jota was expected to start for Portugal in a World Cup group that includes Ghana, South Korea, and Uruguay. He had never played at a World Cup. And Golo Kante, who helped lift the World Cup trophy for France in 2018, will also miss the 2022 World Cup. Chelsea says Kante is expected to be out for four months following surgery on a hamstring. Meanwhile, World Cup fans going to Qatar next month can check out some prized World Cup memorabilia at a special exhibit, as we hear now from VOA's Gwen Uten. Sporty greetings, Gwen! Sporty greetings, Sonny. Football fans planning to travel to Doha will have a chance to journey back in time inside the brand-new 321 Qatar Olympic and Sports Museum and relive some of the greatest moments in World Cup history. The museum opened last March during the same week Doha held the World Cup draw. Now some of the tournament's rarest and most treasured objects are on display in a showcase dubbed the World of Football Exhibition. And museum guide Ahmed Almula encourages all World Cup fans visiting Qatar to stop by for a unique once in a a lifetime experience actually for fans it's gonna be i think they're gonna love it uh, especially for fifa fans uh, once they come and visit the museum or the exhibition they will be surprised with the objects that we got and the information that we have Visitors who tour the museum will see dozens of shirts and shoes worn by some of the greatest players in the sport, including the white England shirt David Beckham wore during a FIFA World Cup qualifying match and a red replica shirt from the 1966 World Cup final signed by English footballer Sir Jeff Hurst. But, Almula says, of all the jerseys on display, the star attraction is the famous Hand of God shirt worn by Argentine soccer legend Diego Maradona. So one of the most important objects that we got in this exhibition is these T-shirts. So these T-shirts, we have 20 T-shirts, authentic T-shirts, that is uh, worn by different athletes, which is women and men. So one of the most important T-shirts that we got here is Maradona 1986 in Mexico when FIFA was hosted by Mexico. And the shirt is the real deal. Last May, Maradona's jersey was auctioned off to a secret buyer for a staggering $9 million, the highest amount paid for a shirt worn during a sports match. The shirt is now on loan to the 321 Museum, specifically for the World of Football exhibition. Other items on display include the first written guide of the rules of football and the bronzed right foot of the iconic Brazilian forward Pele. And Almula says the exhibition also spotlights memorabilia from nearly a century ago. So one of the most important artifacts that we have in this exhibition is the 1930s Uruguay, which they first hosted the first ever FIFA in the world. 
And over here, we got a football for 2022 FIFA World Cup where we're going to host it here in Qatar. So as you can see, the past and the future comes together. The doors are now open for the World of Football exhibition at the 321 Qatar Olympic Sports Museum in Doha. The six-month exhibit runs through April 1st, 2023. So if you aren't planning to travel to Qatar for this year's World Cup tournament in November and December, you'll still have time to witness World Cup history. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. The 2022 FIFA World Cup football tournament kicks off in just over a month on November 20th. Qatar will host Ecuador in the opening match. I also encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to go to voaafrica.com. At the top of the page, you'll see a special section FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. And that wraps up the October 19th edition of the show. you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. 